the stage is set ladies and gentlemen the nba finals is finally here we finally know who's going to be playing after months of speculation after a full year of speculation actually may i add in there and a full four to five months of not knowing whether or not we to get to this point for this season we are finally here the nba finals and it features the heat versus the lakers it's a great matchup with so so many juicy storylines i don't even know what one to get into first but we do got to talk about some things first before we talk about that matchup and we got to talk about the lakers advancing against the nuggets in their game five and everything of that nature lebron james putting on a show that was a goat performance i'm going to tell you what i thought about that and i'll also tell you about what i thought about the heats game against the celtics where they clinched and moved on as well to go on this collision course which they've been on all playoffs long it seems like because both of these teams have dominated in the playoffs and then once we get through all of that we will look ahead to that finals matchup we will preview it look at look back to the season's matchup between those two teams how they match up against each other and some concerns i have for both teams concerning the other team if that makes sense so what do the heat do that concern me about the lakers and what do the lakers do that concerns me about the heat so we'll get into all that and then of course we will get into doc rivers getting fired by the clippers as well so so much to get into today don't even know where to begin actually yes i do and we will begin with the lakers taking down the nuggets in game five so let's just get this thing started And as I said, the Lakers take down the Nuggets in five. They win game five, 117 to 107 to move on to the NBA Finals. And there's a lot to talk about the Lakers. There is. But first, first, it is only right if I give my tip of the cap to the Denver Nuggets. They deserve it. They were a worthy opponent. I just think they ran out of gas towards the end, and that's all right. When you have two, three, one comebacks in the same playoffs, when you make history twice in the same playoffs, yeah, it's all right to be a little tired. And I think they were a little gassed out in game five, but we do got to tip our caps to them because guess what? Nikola Jokic has arrived. He has arrived. He has cemented himself as the best center in the NBA. I already told you guys, I do not want to hear about Joel Embiid anymore. I do not. I do not. I know what everyone tells me, but guess what, man? I know what my eyeballs see, and my eyeballs tell me. Jokic is far and away better than Joel Embiid. And my eyeballs tell me that Jokic is clearly the best center in the NBA. So, got to start off with that. And then we also got to look at Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray made his stake for superstar status in these playoffs. And look, I don't know. You can rank point guards all you want. There's a lot of great point guards. But for my money, I'm putting Jamal Murray in the top five. And if you want to ask me who I'm knocking out, it's simple. Russell Westbrook, you're out. You're out, Jamal Murray's in. Because Jamal Murray plays big when those lights shine brightest. And Russell Westbrook, you do not. And these Nuggets, I'm telling you right now, this season, you have no idea what kind of confidence builder this type of season can be for a team like the Nuggets. They are so young. They're still babies. They're still babies. And they've been through four Game 7s. They're still babies, and they're battle-tested. Oh, this is bad news for the league next year. Nobody, nobody is going to want to face the Denver Nuggets next year. And I mean nobody. This team is battle-tested. Yes, they are young, but they are experienced. And there's nothing more dangerous than a young team that has experience. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that is that's deadly. And Jamal Murray, these playoffs... We all kind of knew that Jokic had arrived, right? We all kind of knew that. We all kind of got that. We all kind of saw that. What we didn't know was about Jamal Murray. And these playoffs, oh yeah, he showed up. He 
showed up. He played his best basketball in these playoffs. So the Nuggets one-two punch there? Oh, yeah, watch out. This team's going to be dangerous. It's like I told all my friends as well. Once Michael Porter Jr. gets a full season under his belt, a full NBA season, where he learns his role, where he can get comfortable in the offense and everything like that, oh, yeah, watch out. Watch out. And I try to tell people, they still have a guy they didn't even play these playoffs named Bull Bull, who's 7'3 and can shoot the ball from 30. So, this team's going to be dangerous. This team, I told you before, it reminds me of the Warriors, built exclusively from the NBA draft. No free agents here. No no big-name stars coming to join Denver. None of, none of that. Just like Golden State with Steph before they got KD. It's all built through the draft, and they've done it the right way. And, oh, yeah, Denver is going to be a Nuggets city pretty quick here in the next coming years. No doubt in my mind. And the Nuggets should be a team to be reckoned with for years to come. And I've already told you this, but I'll say it again because I'm not afraid to. I was wrong about Mike Malone. Mike Malone is a great coach. He showed it all playoffs. And the Nuggets are in great hands. All they got to do now is keep this core in place and add pieces around it, and they are in business, and I think they're going to be a threat in the Western Conference for years to come, and there is no doubt about that in my mind. But now that we got the Nuggets out of the way, we got to talk about the Western Conference champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. And I don't know how much, how many of you guys watched that game five, but I sir, I know, I know, I certainly did, and I know I certainly am glad that I get to witness greatness. And for all you haters out there, give LeBron James his flowers. What a hell of a closeout game! Thirty-eight points, ten assists, sixteen rebounds. Those that is what you would call a ridiculous stat line. Ridiculous. And we're not even into what he did in the fourth quarter. Oh no, we're not even gonna get into that yet. We're just into this. 38, 10, and 16. Give the man his flowers. That was a GOAT performance, and it came after last week when I said I have not seen LeBron play a full game where he just dominates and controls the whole game. Well, there it was. Game five against the Nuggets. Oh, yeah, that was vintage playoff LeBron at hand right there. And LeBron, I've told you this many times before, when he doesn't care, when he is in full attack mode, and when he's hitting an outside mid-range three-point shot, He's unguardable. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Really. He is unguardable when he shoots the way he did that night against the Nuggets. And 16 points in the fourth quarter. This is what bothers me about people that don't like LeBron James. They can just never give him credit where it's due. Oh, LeBron James isn't a closer. He's not a closer, though, Tyler. He's not a closer. I don't know what you just saw. Maybe I need to get a different TV. Maybe my TV's a little messed up. Maybe my 70-inch TV is not up to par with your guys' TV because what I saw was 16 points in the fourth quarter and nine points in the final three minutes. That's what I saw. In the biggest game of the season, I saw LeBron James close that thing out. <laughs> now, I'm gonna, I don't know what you saw. Obviously, you saw a different game because. LeBron James closed that thing out, and he deserves credit. He deserves credit. And it came after he reportedly told Yahoo's Chris Haynes that he was going to close this series out in Game 5 the night before. He told Yahoo's Chris Haynes the night before. So Friday night, he told Yahoo's Chris Haynes, I'm ending it tomorrow night. And that's how you back up your words right there. That is how you back up your words. 
And for those of you that still doubt this man, I will remind you the last nine times he has made the playoffs, he has gone to the finals. That is a ridiculous number for a player, man. Especially in the modern era. Oh, you don't see that. You don't see that these days. No. You do not. And I'll remind you, folks. The last time LeBron James lost a playoff series before the finals was in 2010. Do you know? Do you know? What the number one movie in the world was in that time? It was Avatar. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but man, I did. And that seems like ages ago. It seems like ages ago. And not only that, Anthony Davis, LeBron James's teammate now, was in junior high school. That's ridiculous. We've never seen this type of longevity from a player ever. And I think it's time we stop hating. I think it's time we stop comparing and stop trying to drop this man off of his pedestal. And I think it's time we just sit back and say, damn, this man is just that great. That is nine finals in the last 10 years by one LeBron James. And it's 10 finals in the last 13 years. It's getting real hard to argue. It is getting really hard to argue against him the longer he plays. It really is. And you could tell all year long that LeBron James was on a mission, especially, especially, and I'll admit it, I'll even admit it, after the disaster that was last season. Last season for LeBron James and the Lakers was, there's no other way to put it, it was a disaster. And he has been on a mission all season. You've seen it in him. And I think the death of his great friend Kobe Bryant even brought it out more. I really do. I think it brought out a little extra from him this year. A little extra motivation that he needs to get this thing done. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching that game Saturday night. And I'm laughing out loud for one reason. And that reason is... <laughs> people actually thought Kawhi Leonard was better than LeBron James. <laughs> they really thought that. They really believed that. Yeah. Wow. Don't even know what to say there. I really don't even know what to say there. LeBron James at 35 years old, 17 seasons in the league, is still head and shoulders clearly the best player in the NBA. And I would argue that it's really not even close. I mean, just think about what this man's gone through the last year. With the disaster that was last season, first major injury of his career, people saying he's done, people saying he's washed. Then to go back to this year, the beginning, the first night of the season, Kenny Smith saying that he looks old and unathletic. People saying Kawhi Leonard's now the best player. This is Kawhi Town. And then you go to Kobe, the Kobe death, the Laker legend. You know, when you look at that fan base, when LeBron first got there, they didn't even want LeBron. They defaced one of the murals that someone put up of him because they were such Kobe guys. I think people lose sight of that. And then Kobe Bryant dies. And now it's on LeBron's shoulders to carry his legacy and to get the Lakers back to the promised land. Do you even understand the pressure that that is? Never mind that we live in the social media era and that LeBron James has been under immense pressure his whole career. The most pressure of any, any, 
NBA player ever. And this year got one-upped because the Lakers legend died tragically in a helicopter crash being Kobe Bryant. And how did he handle it? He's handled it like a professional his whole career. And then you go to the pandemic, right when the Lakers are playing their best ball, man. They just beat the Milwaukee Bucks and the LA Clippers in the same weekend. And then the season shut down. Just think about all of the obstacles he's had to go through this year. And he's done it. He has done it, and that is why he deserves his credit. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you have him as the GOAT or not, doesn't matter. You are clearly witnessing one of the greatest players that will ever, ever grace an NBA floor and touch an NBA basketball. You're witnessing it, and you should appreciate it. Because just like when Jordan left, when he retired, the NBA suffered. And when LeBron retires, mark my words, the NBA will suffer. We will miss him when he is gone. So enjoy him while you can. And I know a lot of people like to bring up AD. Did LeBron have AD? Yes, he did. And I know the haters like to use that argument against him. But you're running out of arguments. You're running out. We talked about the Western Conference. <laughs> that argument's done. I've heard that LeBron couldn't play in the physical era. Really? <laughs> really? Well, LeBron James came in the league at 23 years old. Am I right? Or no, not at 23 years old. Sorry. In 2003. Am I right? And that was the Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant era. era. Am I right? Yeah. And uh, that was still a physical brand of basketball. Am I right? Okay, so LeBron comes into the league in 2003 at the age of 18. And what does he do? Oh, you know, he just averages 23 points a game as an 18-year-old. So, oh, the, the LeBron can't play in the physical era. Yeah, that argument's diminished. The longer LeBron plays, we are just diminishing arguments. LeBron James isn't clutch in the playoffs. Oh, really? You know who has the most playoff game-winning buzzer beaters in NBA history? Oh, that would be one LeBron James. That's weird. Oh, who has the best percentage of makes in playoff winning buzzer beaters? <laughs> no surprise here. LeBron James. So it's getting harder and harder to knock this man off of his pedestal. And people can't stand it. They can't. And I just think people should just enjoy the greatness that is. Because I've heard all of these arguments my whole life. And each and every year I just see him get chopped down and chopped down and chopped down and chopped down. <laughs> Here's another one. LeBron James can't make a finals without great teammates. <laughs> All right. What was Jordan's record before he got Pippen in the playoffs? Oh, it was one in nine. How many finals has Jordan went to without a second All-Star on his team the same year? Oh. That's right. Zero. Zero, folks. Zero. How many finals has LeBron James went to without another All-Star on his roster the same year? He's done it twice, folks. He's done it twice. So keep trying to argue. Keep holding on to the 1990s. You keep doing that because the longer LeBron James plays, it's getting harder and harder to argue these points, man. It really, really is. And I just think that LeBron deserves his props 
Because basketball, like I've said before in this podcast, it's a lot about narratives. And the narrative about Michael has always been he's the greatest. And the narrative about LeBron has always been he comes up short. So that's the narrative that we've kept. Michael Jordan scores 63 against the Boston Celtics in a loss. In a loss! Oh, that's God in basketball shoes. LeBron James scores 51 points in a game one of an NBA Finals against four Hall of Famers in the Warriors. And he came up short. Basketball is about narrative, folks. And the narratives have always favored Michael Jordan. And it even it even heightened after the last dance. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you've looked at the best plays of LeBron James from this past decade, when he comes out with his documentary when he retires, oh, you thought Michael Jordan's documentary was full of highlights. Just wait. LeBron James blows him out the water when it comes to highlights. It's not even close. Not even close. And I'm not here to argue the GOAT. I'm not, because I think it's hard to argue generation to generation. I really do, because the game's different. Teams are different. Teams are better. Players are better. It's just facts. It's just facts. You say, oh, well, Michael played against better competition in the 80s. Oh, well, really? Well, if you go by that logic, then did uh, Bill Russell play in better better competition when he played? Oh, no, it do- no he didn't, because that, do- that doesn't fit our argument. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's quite all right. You keep your argument. I can only go off what my eyeballs tell me. And no matter what your eyeballs tell you, my eyeballs tell me LeBron James is clearly one of the greatest to ever play the game. So you keep hating. Because like I said, the arguments against LeBron are dwindling by the minute. And that's just the truth. And they only dwindle more if LeBron James wins his fourth ring this season. They do. They only dwindle more if LeBron James wins his fourth ring this season at 35 years old, 17th season in the league. It becomes a whole lot harder to argue it. It certainly does. And I'm happy I get to witness one of the greatest players to ever lace him up in LeBron James. And you should too. Because when he's gone, the NBA and the fans, just like Michael, are going to miss LeBron James and everything that he's stood for and everything that he's brought into this league. So just enjoy it while you can, because while this might be a hot take, I think this might be it for LeBron. Not that he'll retire or anything like that, but I think this championship this year might just be his last chance to capture a championship. So if you're a real basketball fan, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the greatness you are witnessing. And that's all I got to say about that. And with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about someone not a lot of networks talking about because the, rightfully so, they're talking about LeBron. They're talking about his accomplishments, getting the 10 finals, and that's rightfully so. No doubt about it. But I am going to talk about some AD as well because he deserves some love. And on this show, on Above the Rim, we're not going to forget about AD. No way. No way. And AD, you want to talk about smashing narratives? AD's smashing narratives these playoffs. Oh, AD doesn't play well in the playoffs. Oh, we're not sure AD is a big playoff performer. <laughs> Well, now you can put all of that to rest. AD's numbers in these playoffs, he's averaging about 29 a game, nine rebounds, off 57% from the field. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then you say, oh, he's not clutch. 
He doesn't have the clutch gene. He's not going to show up when it really matters. He's soft. Really. Well, you can put that to rest, too. Because in one of the biggest games of his career, he hit the game-winning buzzer beater against the Nuggets in Game 2. Love him, like him, or hate him, guess what? He did that. You got to give him his props. Because before the playoffs started, all I heard, AD's not going to show up when it matters most. For someone that averages about 30 points a game and 12 rebounds a game in the playoffs, he's not going to show up the most. Yeah. Okay. That's a ridiculous statement for anyone that watches basketball. And it's not only LeBron playing for a legacy here. Anthony Davis is playing for his legacy as well. A chip would cement Anthony Davis as the best big in the game. Now, I'm not going to go center because Jokic plays center all the time. So Jokic deserves that card. But when we're talking about best big, we're talking about, you know, like six, nine, seven feet above people who play big. That's AD. And I'll take AD over Jokic. But AD doesn't traditionally play center. You see what I'm saying? So it's not just LeBron that's playing for a legacy. AD also could start a conversation winning this title as being one of the best bigs of all time. Now, I'm not saying if he wins this title, then he will be in there. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you get your first championship and then you have a chance to get more later. That's a hell of a way to start that conversation. Am I right? I mean, yeah, he needs more hardware than one. But, I mean, you do got to get one to get that conversation started. Right? I mean, come on now. So, LeBron's not the only one playing for something here. Not by a long shot. And a chip for AD, I'll argue a chip for AD would do a ton for his confidence moving forward. And would maybe, would maybe possibly, just possibly, put him as LeBron's best teammate he's ever had. Especially since AD will have a legitimate shot to win finals MVP this year. He will. He's had a great playoffs. And I do not doubt that he can have a great finals as well. And you know who else deserves credit on the Lakers? The coach and the GM. Frank Vogel and Rob Palinka deserve a ton of credit for very different reasons. First, we'll start with Rob Palinka. Why does he deserve credit? Well, let's get on to it. Magic Johnson, Laker legend, guy who brought LeBron James to the Lakers, may I add you. The guy who brought LeBron to the Lakers quit on Rob Palinka last year and basically said that Rob Palinka was a backstabber. Wow. Wow. And now Rob Palinka makes the finals after acquiring Anthony Davis and putting this roster together last minute. Oh yeah. I love you magic. But uh, you don't escape criticism here, and Rob Palinka certainly does not escape credit. Give him his credit. I remember back in the tea leaves back in the day, back last year, where all the tea leaves said, ooh, Rob Palinka's a problem. He's a problem. People don't like him. Well, I think Rob Palinka's getting the last laugh right now. I certainly do. And I haven't heard a of anybody giving this man credit the last few hours and he deserves it shame on everybody else and then lastly frank vogel frank vogel deserves a ton of credit why well number one being that lebron james wanted ty Lue as his head coach i'm not so sure he was sold on frank vogel now he did play hard and he does play hard for vogel but i'm not quite sure he was sold on vogel but the lakers front office was and Shockingly enough, so is Rob Palinka. And Frank Vogel's done an outstanding job with this team. He has turned them into a very defensive-minded team. Probably the best defense in the league if you watch the games. I mean, they certainly look like it to me. And he's gotten LeBron James to buy in. And I mean really buy in on the defensive end. So he deserves credit as well. Give both of those men credit. Because they certainly have done enough to warrant it. And they certainly deserve it. 
And that's where we'll leave it with the Lakers. So now let's move on to the East champion. And that is the Miami Heat. And I don't have enough things to say about this team. They had a very impressive run through the playoffs. And then they beat the Celtics in game six. Mightily handily, may I add, 125 to 113. And Bam Adebayo was ridiculous, especially after game five. He said that loss was should be on him. Much respect to you, sir. I'm not sure, sir, that's like the truth, but much respect on you for saying that and then backing it up in game six because game six, he had 32 points and 14 rebounds. So good on him because he backed it up. And now the Heat. The Heat, very surprisingly, have been just as impressive as the Lakers in the playoffs. They have both gone 12-3. and three. And you want to know what the Heat did that the Lakers didn't because the Lakers couldn't because they're the one seed, but the Heat did, so you got to give them credit for it. They absolutely dismantled the number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two-time reigning MVP and the reigning defensive player of the year. They just dismantled them from start to finish. They deserve a lot of credit. And you want to know who deserves the most credit on the Heat? It's not Jimmy Buckets. It's Eric Spolstra. He reaches his fifth NBA Finals, but he continues to be disrespected by people in the media. And you might ask, well, you know, I don't see anybody really disrespect him. No, you don't, but... You also don't really see anybody mention him, mention him in the best coaches in the league category, right? And the fact that people don't, that's disrespect in of itself. He's proven that he has been. Five NBA Finals appearances? Come on. It's ridiculous. It is time to talk about Spo being a top three. Yeah, I said it. Right now. Right now a top three coach in the NBA. And that only brings us to the other guy, Pat Riley, the president of basketball operations. <laughs> this man has been to the finals in four straight decades as a player, as a coach, and now as the president of basketball operations. That's just ridiculous. You want to talk about longevity? In knowing the game of basketball, go no further than Pat Riley. He is one of the greatest minds to ever, ever be a part of basketball. And that's not even debatable, man. You can't even get into that type of greatness. Four straight decades reaching the NBA Finals in all different positions? Dude. Come on. Come on. That may that you that that may never be repeated ever again in history. As long as I live, I may never see this done ever again. That's how impressive it is. So Pat Riley, hats off to you, sir. And not only that, Mickey Arison, now with his sixth finals appearance as the owner of the Heat. And if you look at the Heat, Mickey Harrison's six finals appearances, you look at the Heat in the 2000s, they have represented greatness, and they deserve a hell of a lot of credit. They've made the playoffs 18 of the last 24 seasons. You do realize that before this season, the Lakers were in a six-year playoff drought, right? Well, in the last 24 seasons, the Heat have only missed the playoffs six times. So that shows you just how great the Miami Heat have been under Mickey Harrison. And in that time, they've gotten 13 division titles and five Eastern Conference titles to go along with three finals titles. Oh, that's great. You want to talk about organizations that are great? That's a great organization. That's an organization that knows how to win, and that's an organization that knows how to get people to buy in. Hats off to Miami, man. One of the best organizations I've seen personally in my lifetime. And I was born in 97. 
They don't get much better than the numbers I just mentioned to you right there. And even though I picked the Heat to upset the Celtics, I did think that the Celtics had a collective majority of better players than the Heat. But you want to know why the Heat won? Two simple things. The Heat culture. All right? The Heat culture is a real thing, man. It is a real thing. They have a culture down there that they've built, and that will last for a while. And that's one reason why they beat the Celtics. And the other reason, I hate to say it because I love Brad Stevens, but Brad Stevens got outcoached. He got outcoached by Eric Spolstra. And that is why I say Spolstra deserves more credit than he gets because people look at Brad Stevens like the golden child of the NBA coaches. <laughs> they do. And guess what? He got taken to school by one Eric Spolstra. And I know I got a little ahead of myself talking about the Heat there because I didn't mention the Celtics like I did mention the Nuggets before. So before we get into the finals preview, we do got to look at the Celtics. And I do got to give some love to one player before we get to the finals preview. And his name is Jason Tatum. You know, I've been critical of him. I really have. I have. I still am not sure if he is a superstar but he's well on his way. And if you don't think so, look at these numbers. Jason Tatum is the only player in NBA history with five career postseason games with 25-plus points, 10-plus assists, and 5-plus rebounds before turning 23. Or 10-plus rebounds and 5-plus assists before turning 23. So let me say that again because that might have been a little confusing. He's the only player in NBA history with five career postseason games with 25-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, and five-plus assists before turning 23. Do you know the other players in that same company? Oh, it is some great company to be in if you're Jason Tatum. He is in the same class right now as that stat just said. He's in the same company as LeBron James. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, and Magic Johnson. So, he has a bright, bright future ahead of him. And I don't doubt that. But is he there yet? I don't think so. And my biggest problem with him is he just disappears too much. He does. He starts games off slow. It almost reminds me of KD when he was in Oklahoma City. Where just like there would be seven, eight minutes at a time where you'd be watching the game and you'd go, "Where's Kevin Durant?" And you do the same thing right now with the Celtics when you watch Jason Tatum and you go, "Where the hell's Jason Tatum at?" I don't I haven't even seen him on the TV for a minute here. He just has some disappearing acts, but he's young. He'll fix it, and that's great company to be in as a young player. So props to him. I do got to get that out of the way because I have been harsh on him. So I got to get out of the way before we preview the Lakers in the heat finals matchup. So props to Jason Tatum. That's good company to be in, sir. You are well on your way, my man. And with that out of the way, let's just get on with it. Shall we? Oh, the finals, like I said, start tomorrow. And the more I think about it, like I said in the beginning of my show, I just I just get way more excited the more I think about this finals matchup because I think it actually is very good. And let's just preview this matchup. Obviously, both teams are 12-3 and three this far in these playoffs. That's just ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number right there. And both teams have really just rolled through their respective conferences. Now, if we look at the season series... The Lakers won the season series 2-0, to zero, and the best game of the season series was on December 13th. It was a Friday night, I believe, on ESPN. It was either a Friday or a Saturday night on ESPN, and the Lakers won 113-110. to 110. And if you can believe this, like I just said, the last time these two teams played was December 13th. My God. That was like 10 months ago or nine months ago. That's ridiculous for a finals match to be taken. That last time they played was nine months ago. 
I mean, that's crazy. And it shows you how crazy this year has been. But if we look back to the best game that was, which was that December night game, we look at why the Lakers won. Well, AD and LeBron combined for 61 points that game. And we all know the story. The Lakers are 19-1 and this season when they combine for more than 60. So that's the key if you're the Lakers. Those two got to go off. They got to go off. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the key. And also, the Lakers are 53-0 and this season when leading after three quarters, which is the best record ever in the shot clock era. That tells you something right there. That tells you something right there. This team, for, for everyone saying they don't have a closer, for everyone saying they don't know how to close, <laughs> 53-0 and leading after three. I mean, you might want to look at your notes again, buddy, because uh, that right there, that says they do know how to close. So I don't know what you're talking about. Really don't. Now, I will say, though, that this series does have kind of an eerie feeling, right? Has kind of a feeling of the 2004 NBA Finals. And for those of you that may be a little young, don't remember the 2004 Finals, that featured Shaq, Kobe, and the Lakers. They also had Gary Payton and Carl Malone that year. So, very stacked team against the Pistons, which Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, all those guys, Deshaun Prince, you know. It has, a, it has a very similar feeling to that, mainly because the Heat are very much like those Piston teams because they don't have one superstar. They don't have one guy you need to watch out for, per se, right? It's a whole team of guys. It's a whole team of solid players that know how to play on a string that just play very well together. And the Heat remind me very much of those Piston teams. And if you also remember that season, the Lakers were heavily favored in that series. And the Pistons shocked him. So it does kind of have a little bit of that feeling to it. Because I just feel like like not a lot of people are giving the amount of respect deserved to the Miami Heat. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys got that feeling as well. But people just are not giving this team the respect they deserve. Now look, I'm all for like regular season picking the team. Like I picked the Bucks. But I can revise what I think when I see what happens in the playoffs. And when I see what the Heat just did in the playoffs, bubble or not, it don't matter. I mean, they've dominated so much so far in the bubble that I would think even if there was no bubble, they would still be right where they are. I mean, seriously. I really do. So, I mean, you really get the best team on a neutral court. So the Heat have been the best team in the East. So you can't take anything away from them. And this just has that type of feeling, doesn't it? The big underdog versus the glamour city versus the glamour players. You know, it just it does kind of have that feeling to it a little bit. I will say that. And I think one of the best storylines to watch this series is simply Pat Riley versus LeBron. <laughs> you want to talk about greatness? Those two guys have embodied the greatness their whole careers. And it's a storyline to watch. I know LeBron said that he doesn't feel any type of way about winning a championship versus Spo and Pat Riley or whatnot. But I'm here to call BS on that. Yeah, I'm calling BS. And I'm going to say the same for Pat Riley. These guys would love to beat each other. They would love to beat each other. They would. And the legend has it that after LeBron James told Pat Riley that he was going back to Cleveland, Pat Riley told LeBron James he was making the biggest mistake of his career. Now, knowing Pat Riley's track record, maybe he was telling the truth. Maybe Pat Riley meant you could win more titles here in Miami than you could win in Cleveland, and maybe that's true. We'll never know, but maybe it's true. But I think at that time, what meant more to LeBron was winning one for his hometown, for his home state, and that's Cleveland. Versus home city. That is what meant more to him at that time. And that's why he chose that decision. But for these guys to act like there's no bad blood. Oh, there's bad blood. There is bad blood. There, the report has it that LeBron James did not like Pat Riley saying that he was making the biggest mistake of his career. 
But also, Pat Riley texted LeBron James after winning that championship in Cleveland. Texted him a congratulations text. You know what happened? LeBron James didn't even respond to it. I don't know about you guys, but that screams bad blood to me. <laughs> right? Not even going to respond? Oh, yeah. In the words of MJ in the Last Dance documentary, I'm pretty sure when Pat Riley told LeBron that he's making the biggest mistake of his career, I am pretty sure LeBron James took that personally. And I am pretty sure both of these guys, knowing their competitive spirit, look at LeBron, 10 finals in his career. Look at Pat Riley. Pat Riley been to the finals in four straight decades. If I know their competitive spirit, oh, they would love to stick it to one another. They would love it. And that's just another great storyline to watch in this series. And there are a bunch more. And the bunch more have to include with on the court. And let's just get into some on the court things in this series that are very, very interesting. Number one, what concerns me about the Lakers that the Heat do? That would be the Heat's zone. It bothered Boston, and it clearly bothered Milwaukee. The Heat zone, nothing to play with. I mean, Eric Spolster got those guys playing zone at a very high level. And it concerns me with the Lakers, and you might ask why, because they have one of the best IQ players in LeBron James. And why does it concern me? Because the Lakers are not a great three-point shooting team. Now, can they get a little streaky? Can LeBron get streaky? Can Danny Green get a little streaky? KCP, who played very well these playoffs, the whole playoffs, man. Can they get a little streaky? Sure they can, yeah. But that's not their calling card. And one thing the zone does is it makes you have to hit threes. If you're going to break down a zone defense, you've got to hit three-point shots. So that's one thing that concerns me about the Lakers. Now let's move on to what concerns me about the Heat. What concerns me about the Heat is who's going to guard Anthony Davis? Is it going to be Bam? Or is it going to be someone like Jay Crowder? Because if it's going to be Bam, Bam's going to get into foul trouble. Davis, he, he did it to the Nuggets, and he's just going to do it. He's going to put you in foul trouble. He's so gifted on the offensive end, he puts you in bad positions on the defense. So who's going to guard him? You know what I'm saying? That's going to be a big thing for the Lakers and the Heat is who guards Anthony Davis. And then also, is it Iguodala and Butler? Are they going to take turns on LeBron? Obviously, historically, statistically, they've been the best defenders on LeBron throughout their careers, throughout LeBron's career. Now, that can be argued, though, because I remember those Warriors series that LeBron played Iggy and Iggy guarded him. LeBron pretty much had his way. And if you look at Iguodala nowadays, he is very much older and he looks the part. LeBron James is very much older, but he doesn't really look the part. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wondering if they put Iguodala on LeBron. I think it's going to be a disaster. I don't think Iguodala at this point in his career is even close to athletic enough to cover LeBron. I really don't. And I think Jimmy Butler can do a pretty good job. I really do. I think he can. He's a great defender. He's got some physical strength. But overall, I just think LeBron, he's just bigger than him. You know what I'm saying? He's just a little bigger than Jimmy. I think Jimmy will have some problems guarding him. So that's the key. And if you're Eric Spolstra, man, do you, do you use Jay Crowder on LeBron? Or do you use Jay Crowder a little bit on AD? Like, my whole thought process is who, if you're, if you're Eric Spolstra, who are you trying to take away in the series? And that's what's so interesting about it, right? Who is Eric Spolstra going to try to take away the series? Who is the most important Laker that he feels he needs to take away? And if I know Eric Spolstra, he played against Greg Popovich and those Spurs team. If I know Eric Spolstra, oh yeah, he's he's going to make LeBron be a jump shooter. And I would guess that he's going to try to do the same with AD. So there's just a lot of good matchups all around. And if I'm Frank Vogel, I'm looking at Am I going to play big or am I going to play small? Because Miami can play small. They can definitely play small. When they put those sharpshooters out there, it's going to be hard 
for Frank Vogel to play the two bigs in that one time. Like when they got Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero on the court at the same time, I'm not quite sure Frank Vogel can play two bigs at one time. He might have to move Anthony Davis to the center, which means Anthony Davis, which I have no doubt of throughout this whole series, defensive player of the year candidate, Anthony Davis is taking on Bam Adebayo, 100%. I don't know if it's going to be all game, but when it comes to winning time, oh yeah, Anthony Davis is going to take Bam out of Bayou. Put your money on it. This matchup is just so interesting because stylistically, these teams are very different. The Lakers obviously have the two stars, the two superstars. They play great defense. And then you got the Heat, who don't really have any superstars. They just play on a string and they just have a ton of solid players. Like the Heat have more players that can do more things than the Lakers, but the Lakers have the two best players in the series. So how does that all match up against each other in the series? It's, it's, an inter- it's a very interesting thing. It really is. And how much of this series is going to be on the coaches and their game plans? I mean, there is a lot to look at in this series. It There is. And I know before the season started, this might not be the series people wanted in the finals. And it might not. You know, you know, cheers to you if it's not. But the more I think about it, like I said, oh, it is just juicy. It is juicy. This is a great matchup. This is a great matchup for the NBA finals, especially down in the bubble, especially where these teams have just dominated. They've been clearly the best teams in the bubble, and they've clearly been the best defensive teams in the bubble. So, oh, I cannot wait for this game tomorrow night. Game one, of course. Let's go on. Who do I think wins the series? Well, I think you know where I'm going with this, and it's mainly because I think you've seen how much this means to LeBron, like I said. He didn't even celebrate the Western Conference Finals trophy at all. Kobe Bryant died this year. He's trying to win over Laker faithful. If he wins this title, it puts him right back in that GOAT conversation for a lot of people. May not be you. Cheers to you. But it may not be you, but guess what? To a lot of people that watch basketball, yeah. Uh, It puts him right back in there. He knows how important it is. I think AD really wants to get this ring. I think AD really wants to cement himself and his own legacy. And I think the Lakers win the series. I really do. I think LeBron James is on a mission. I do. And I think the death of his friend Kobe Bryant has brought on a little bit of the Mamba mentality to LeBron. And I think if LeBron has that type of mentality like we've seen so far these playoffs, oh, yeah, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, I do think it's a a tough contested series. I don't think the Lakers are going to roll over the Heat. I don't think it's like a a sweep or a five-game series. No, I don't. I don't think that at all. I think the Heat actually make it a series. I think it's going to be a good one. I don't want to bet against the Heat, you know, but, I mean, I, I think in this point, going with the greatest of all time, I mean, I think that's okay. And I think the greatest of all time, and LeBron James understands the moment. He realizes it, and he's he wants to capture it. So I'll go Lakers win the series in six. I think they're going to be six real hard-fought games. No doubt about that in my mind. No doubt about that. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But I got the Lakers in six. And even though I say that, I do say once again, do not, do not be surprised if the Miami Heat steal game one. Don't. And I know if the Miami Heat do steal game one, oh my goodness, there's going to be panic in the streets. There's going to be panic everywhere. Just like there has been every time the Lakers have lost a game in a series. Don't fall into it. Don't. I remind you, before the Nuggets series, the Lake, not the Lakers, LeBron James was, he's lost six of his last seven game ones. So since they won game one against the Nuggets, he's lost six of his last eight game ones. And he has a winning record in those series that he loses a game one. So 
No need to worry if the Lakers lose game one. I do think it's a possibility. I really do. But I'm going to be interested to see how LeBron James comes out. Does he come out like he usually does, which is like kind of feel it out? How how is Spolstra going to play me and everything of that nature? Or does he come out and just say, get out of my way? I'm going for my fourth championship right now, and you guys will not stand in my way. That's going to be interesting to see. We'll see how it all plays out. But do not be surprised if the Lakers drop game one. I still think the Lakers win it in six. I think they're just a better team. and. I'll say what I've said all year to my friends. With Kobe Bryant's death and LeBron James and AD being there and everything of that nature, it just feels like a Laker year. You know? And I know the years don't go out like usually how Hollywood scripts it or whatever, but, you know, it just feels, it feels right. Right now, for what could be LeBron's last title this year with Kobe's death and everything like that, it just feels right. So I'll go Lakers in six, but do not be surprised if they drop game one and do not panic. I certainly hope you guys are excited for the finals as I am. But with talking about the finals out of the way, we do got to get into one more thing today. And that is that the Clippers have decided to fire Doc Rivers. That's kind of a shocker, but it's also kind of not. I mean, can I can I say that? Like, can two things be true? You know what I think. I think two things can certainly be true, especially there, because it's kind of a shock. I don't really expect them to fire Doc Rivers after this year. I know some people called for his job. I wasn't one of those people. I wasn't expecting it. I was like, you know, first year, you know, things sometimes just don't get it done. The Heat, when they first got together, didn't get it done. They didn't fire Spolstra. They came back the next year and got it done. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't know that they were going to go that route. But it also doesn't surprise me, mainly because it was an epic collapse. It was. But what does it tell me that Doc Rivers got let go? It tells me one thing. Kawhi Leonard doesn't want Doc Rivers. And I know a lot of you, a lot of you give LeBron, hey, I hate to do it. But I just like to show the hypocrisy. A lot of you give LeBron hate for getting coaches fired. Well, Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in the NBA now, according to people. So I want to know. You going to get mad at Kawhi for the same thing? Or are we just going to drop this? <laughs> I just want to know. Because Lord knows if Kawhi Leonard didn't sign off on Doc Rivers getting fired. Doc Rivers will still be coaching the Clippers, right? And that's part of what surprises me so much about it is because Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers partly because he wanted to play for Doc Rivers, right? So what's this about? I don't get it. Unless maybe Doc Rivers aired out some frustrations about maybe them taking load management games and everything of that nature. Maybe unless Doc Rivers did something like that then I could see it. And I'm sure we'll get more from the story as the later months come and more time passes, more people will have more stuff to say about it. But it's interesting. It's interesting that that's one of the reasons Kawhi went there for and Kawhi possibly just got him fired. And now I'm not quite sure that's where the Clippers reign ends right there because Kawhi Leonard's trainer. <laughs> if you've been following the basketball circuit, dude, oh my goodness, Kawhi Leonard's trainer has been chirping. He's been chirping about everyone, saying Paul George ain't this and Paul George ain't that, and then saying Montrez Harrell's a double agent. Oh, man. Right now, it's starting to look like they might have to blow this team up because with these chemistry issues, I don't think they're going anywhere next year. I mean, seriously. And it goes to show all year they've had chemistry issues. I've tried to tell people this. They have had chemistry issues all year, and it started back the first day they got Kawhi and Paul George when their identity changed. Their identity went from being the underdog, being the scrappy dogs who's going to work harder than everybody, to the load management team and to the wake-us-up-when-it-matters team. That's not who they were the year before last year. 
That's not what this team's mental makeup was. And it bothered them all year. And you hear now that the Clippers players had problems with Paul George. And you heard throughout the season they had problems with Kawhi Leonard and his load management. They don't think he needs to take that many games off. You've heard it all year. There's a power struggle here between the old and the new. Kawhi and Paul George are the new. Montrez Harold, Pat Bev, and everyone else are the old. And there's a power struggle between them. So this team's in a world of trouble. And I don't think this is it for their offseason moves. Now, where do they go for the coach here? I think they should go to Ty Lue. Quite simply, I think they should. That's 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 where their coaching search should begin and really end is right there. I've heard Mike D'Antoni's name floated out there. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni, no. He, he can coach a guy like James Harden and Steve Nash, but no, he cannot coach a Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard would spend a year under Mike D'Antoni and then have him fire the next year. So to me, the answer to the question of who should coach the Clippers next is already on their coaching staff, and that's Ty Lue. He really should. And if you're not going to look at Ty Lue, someone, and I mean someone, has got to give a look to Mark Jackson. Seriously. What is this? What are we doing? He deserves a look. So if you're not going to go Ty Lue, Give Mark Jackson a look. As for Doc Rivers, where does he go? Oh, boy. I don't know. I might just take the season off. I mean, unless he goes to Houston. But uh, if I'm him, I, 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 don't like, I don't like Russell Westbrook and James Hart. I mean, I just don't. I don't like those two together. I don't think they can win a championship. I, I just don't like that dynamic. They're so strapped with anything that they can do because they've given up so much in each of their trades going for the this season. It's just like, no, I just don't I don't view that as attractive. What sucks for Doc Rivers is that Steve Nash was already hired for the Nets because that would be the perfect job for Doc Rivers. It would be. Now maybe Doc considers the Pelicans, but I think the best fit for the Pelicans is Mike D'Antoni. I do. When you got Lonzo Ball and everyone like that, and you can play a little fast, and you want to unlock Lonzo Ball's potential, Mike D'Antoni's your guy. Doc Rivers right now, I mean, I just don't know. I just don't know where he can go that can just make things better. So he might just have to sit out a year, you know? And that might not be bad for him, considering, you know, he did really underachieve with the Clippers. You can say what you want about him. You can say he's a, one of the best coaches in the league. I've never bought into it. And he underachieved with the Clippers. And right now, right now, today, I could name five better coaches than Doc Rivers. He had the best team, and he went out like no one's ever seen anybody go out before like that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I can name five coaches better than Doc Rivers. So you want me to go? All right, let's do this. Well, Greg Popovich, number one, for sure. Yeah, I'll take Greg Popovich over Doc Rivers any day of the week. Not even close. Eric Spolstra. I'll take Eric Spolstra over Doc Rivers. Mike Malone, after what he showed me these playoffs. I'll take him over Doc Rivers. Yes, I will. Hell, Billy Donovan, after what he did with the Oklahoma City Thunder. You might have to think about taking him over Doc Rivers. You just might have to. And I am certainly, certainly, you know how I feel about this guy. I'm certainly taking Nick Nurse over Doc Rivers. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. I am taking Nick Nurse over Doc. So those, those are the five coaches right there, I think, right now. Today. Today. Might even be better than Doc Rivers. And we didn't even get into Brad Stevens, who I think could be better than Doc Rivers as well. Right? I mean, Doc Rivers is in the world of trouble. When you blow three, three one leads in your career, oh, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And not to mention, when you have the big three that the Celtics had, I mean, I haven't heard a lot of people say this, but I'll say it. I'll certainly say it. 
they kind of underachieved just a little bit. They kind of underachieved. It's what Doc's been known to do. So I think for him, I think you might as well just sit this season out and see what happens next season because I don't I don't I don't like any of the jobs available for Doc Rivers right now. I really don't. I think he wants to coach a contender. And in order to do that, you're gonna have to wait. And that's just the way it's gonna have to be. So, but that is still surprising that even happened, you know? It really is. Even though, like, I don't I even though I don't think that highly of him as other people do, it's still surprising because I thought Kawhi wanted to go there for Doc, right? And it just looks at Kawhi. You look at Kawhi, and you're like, wow, man, you should have never left the Raptors because you would probably be playing the Lakers in the finals right now, and you already had a top three coach in the league in Nick Nurse. Oh, that's got to sting. It's got to sting. Now, if Doc Rivers actually does decide to coach next year, even though I don't think there's really a lot of great opens openings available, I think the one that suits him best would probably be the 76ers. That would probably be the best one. I just don't see him meshing with James Harden. I don't. So I think Philadelphia would be a good one for him, but we'll see what happens there. You know, we will. It's unfortunate what happened to him this year, but we'll definitely see what happens with him going forward. And that'll do it for today's show, folks. There was a long one today. There was a lot to unpack. I am excited for the NBA Finals, as I hope you are too. Let me know who you think is going to win. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please give it a share and a follow wherever you listen to podcasts. It means the world to me. And the more people we can get talking about basketball, the more the merrier, the more it is just better because to get differing opinions and all of that nature. But as always, thank you for joining me. And we will see you here on Thursday after the finals game one on Wednesday. I'll tell you what I thought about that and what I think moving forward in the series. So we will see you here next time.